The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. This episode of the Podcast of Terror is brought to you by our friends at Statusphere Merch. Use our coupon code TERROR for 15% off your order at statusphere.merch.com. Welcome to episode 61 of the Podcast of Terror, a production of the Galactic Network. This is a podcast about all things scary. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is Corey. Yeah. Scott. Corey, how are you? Yeah. See? That's the sound <laughs> that you make. <laughs> For more on this podcast, including show notes, contact information, subscription links, go to gncast.com slash pop. You can chat with us on our Slack channel during our shows over at gncast.com slash sign up. Really, there you can subscribe to our newsletter as well. Podcast of Tears, very spoiler heavy. This week we're going to ruin the movie Critters, the original, what, 1989? Six. 1986 Critters, I was one year old. Um, and uh, Corey wants me to tell you that I swear. So, <laughs> And it, you've been swearing since you were one years old, you so that's that fine. To forward to. Uh, this week we are joined by CEO and founder of Masterfully Macabre Entertainment and the producer of the upcoming Kane Hunter documentary, To Hell and Back. Derek Herbert is with us once again. Derek, how are you? Doing very well. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, thanks for coming. I was really happy to see that you <laughs> emailed and wanted to come back, and we didn't scare you off too much. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> so, I had fun the last time. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so before we get into it, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what you do, you know, where the, the documentary's at and all that. Basically, what have you been doing since the last time we talked? Last time we talked, uh, we finished, like, almost finished shooting the documentary, and now we're in post. We're deep in post. Uh, the movie should be finish sometime around mid-December, but then we're going to be submitting it to film festivals and then at that point hopefully get a large distributor and have a release. We've also been getting all the perks ready uh, for anyone who did contribute. Uh, I have some with me. This is the masks for anyone who got signed masks. We have the machetes for anyone who got signed machetes. I'm so excited. (laughs) I got both of those. (laughs) And then one of my favorite was actually, because I designed it, uh, in addition was the nice. the shirts. I think the yeah, shirts came pretty. out very well. And you get to see Kane's uh, kill tattoo <laughs> and have it on you forever. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, we're deep in post-production. We're very excited for people to see it. It's just a matter of we want to make the best movie for the fans and for everybody. And it's about a constantly evolving the movie and making it the best it can be. And we're trying to get a few more interviews in I know since the last time I was on, we announced uh, Harrison Smith, director of Death House, is in it. Um, and we have a few more we're trying to get, but we have over 39 hours of interviews already uh, that we had to go through. So we're not hurting as far as interviews. It's now about <laughs> cutting down and making a movie that's a little more digestible than three hours and eight minutes right now. So we're trying to get it to, you know, two hours and 15 max as long as it flows. Mm-hmm. I know there's, I mean, there's docs like um, the Nightmare Elm Street doc, uh, Never Sleep Again, and Crystal Lake Chronicles, both that are well over four hours, but those movies are hard to watch in one sitting because of the length. They really are. Yeah. And I want to make a documentary that people who aren't huge fans of Kane's uh, can watch and love it. And people who are big fans love it as well. So I also have a hard time sitting because of my length. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, out of, out of left field. Curry takes the lead with dirty comments today. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. 
I, I saw it was a couple months ago, but you guys had announced that Twisted was doing the the theme song. Yes, Twisted's doing our official uh, or Kane's official theme. Um, yeah, we're we're I'm waiting to hear it right now. Actually, where it's around the time where they're going to be getting it to us, and I'm excited to see what they came up with. The little piece that we released mm-hmm. sounds like some. You know, I think it's probably going to be uh, one of their best songs. I think the fans are going to really love it just because. I know how much Kane means to them. So I know they're going to, they're putting, and they've been working on this for months and months now. They really care and they want it to be something he can always use at conventions. Right, right. And this may or may not come to a shock, but I used to love Twisted like a lot. So when I heard that it completely made sense from like a fan perspective that they would be doing the song just because of how, what Kane does and what they do kind of just tie into each other. And they're his favorite band. And when 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 we interviewed them for the doc, we knew instantly like there's some they're some of the nicest guys. And we I knew that I'd be able to ask them, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't respond with like you know maybe if you give us a million dollars, it's more it was more uh, man we'd love to make it. And that's the kind of person you want writing the song, someone who's right. gonna take the time necessary to really make it something awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, is there a tentative release date for the documentary? We're saying late spring 2017 just because uh, we the festivals we're submitting it to Tribeca, South by Southwest, and Cannes are in like early uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping at one of them, assuming we get in, we're able to secure distribution and convince them to release it early. Awesome. Like, because I want to get this movie out there for people. <laughs> I've been well, we've been making it since June 2015. And I'm ready to uh, have people see it. Awesome. Well, yeah, I, like I said, I'm really excited for it. Um, I don't know if Corey is. <laughs> no, I absolutely am. <laughs> and and I was as much going to say here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, as, as much as I am for the fact that, I mean, it's a, it's a cool subject being about Kane Hodder and everything. I'm, I'm excited because it's Derek's film, you yeah. know, and Derek's a friend of the show. That That's a super nice perk to what Corey and I do is that we have the, the pleasure of meeting you and been, forming a personal relationship so you know i'm a huge supporter of anything my friends do so um even if i didn't care for the topic i would still support the shit out of you just because you're a friend well thank you um i i feel the same way i mean there's a lot of other ideas brewing i'm just i was told very clearly by my producer uh and co-founder of the company not to say anything yet about any of our other projects but as soon as i can i will i'll come on and i'll i'll tell you all about them yeah, yeah. So there's some really cool stuff happening. You have the uh, maybe coveted uh, open invitation to come back whenever you want. Uh, it depends on who <laughs> you ask. Uh, well, let's go oh ahead and get into our news. Uh, the news ties into why Derek's here. Uh, the first story we have is the Friday the 13th game, uh, which Kane Hodder is also, he did all the the, the, the motion capture for, for Jason, which uh, is pretty fucking awesome. Like, yeah. not only have you made a Friday the 13th game, but you have used, in my opinion, the most important person who played jason doing the motion capture um so that's really cool and at, obviously you've likely talked to kane about the game have you gotten any insight as to like his experience with doing this uh, he's he's had a, a great time i mean i i was actually on set for the motion capture for one of the days back when it was just multiplayer and i saw him kill a bunch of counselors and <laughs> how jason you know the ways jason can be killed if you're lucky enough, because it is tough. Mm-hmm. They're purposely making it tough. But 
I saw him walk. I saw him run as Jason. You know, he's loving being back in character. And I think the best part is, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the footage they've released, but from the uh, mocap sessions, but you can see they had a screen that auto rendered uh, him as part seven, Jason. So he could see himself in the monitors as the character, like almost full res version of the movie. And uh, he was loving it because he could tell instantly if things were working. Mm -hmm. And I know they're doing some more motion capture now that it's a single player. um, Cause he told us about that. And we're, we're thinking about interviewing. I've been trying to reach the video game people again because they were very nice to have us come on, and I'd love to get them interviewed uh, for the little section in the doc on the video game mm-hmm. since they, they were instrumental in bringing it back to right. them and Sean Cunningham. Um, so as Derek mentioned, the Friday the 13th game now includes single-player. That was recently announced that they would be pushing the release to uh, early 2017. Sounds like March-ish. Um, but if you pre-ordered the game or did a Kickstarter, you'll be getting beta on PC with four extra keys, which I think is kind of cool. Then you don't have to play, assuming you have friends. Um, <laughs> I actually had a... So, um, Corey, I'm going to be getting four beta keys. I don't need four beta keys. I'm thinking maybe we should give like two of them away on a future episode when I get them. I think that's a very good idea. Cool. I, I see no reason why not to pay that forward to the fans. So let it be written. So let it be done. That'll happen when I get my beta. Uh, but it tur- yeah, so lost where I was now. I went on my high horse. Uh, early 2017, <laughs> we'll see the full launch of the mul- uh, multiplayer portion of the game. Uh, summer 2017, we'll see the single player and AI bot feature. Uh, if you um, pre-ordered, kickstarted, you get the single player free. Uh, if not, uh, the game will be, the digital price is going from 30 to $40. Physical edition will stay at 60. So yeah, you got that to look forward to. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I know Kane is too. He's been, he actually got a chance the other day to play it. Uh, I saw what, that. what it's been, And he, he told me that it is just, you know, he's ready for this game to come out because he really wants to. And, and we've already talked internally, the, uh, you know, the us filmmakers about we're going to be playing it with Kane for sure. Uh, One what... of these conventions we go to, to uh um with him to promote this documentary we're definitely going to have to hook up a bunch of playstations together and (laughs) and play it i want him to play jason with us fair enough so uh i guess i think that might answer my question will you be getting it on playstation i will be yeah i have a ps4 um i don't have a pc unfortunately though yeah you'll have to email me your uh your PlayStation ID. I pre-ordered it for PS4, but I have a PC, so the, I'll be able to play the beta. But the the full release I got on my PlayStation. Something special about being able to sit on my couch and play as Jason and swing a camp counselor into a tree in a sleeping bag. So my question about this is that I mean we're obviously seeing this is a game that was created by fans, uh, put the extra care into it that only fans really seem to these days, and it's for fans, and it's shown great success now already without even being released is this something that could be a precursor to i'm they keep trying to get the friday the 13th franchise relaunched again should this be a push for them to say okay not only do we need to do this because there obviously is still fandom out there but we need to do this the right way and involve the right people uh because people don't want something that's just stamped as friday the 13th that doesn't stay true to what fans loved about it, which includes people like Kane Hodder. Uh, I'm personally hoping that that is the case, given the fact that since the doc is on Kane, and I think he's proven time and time again how much he matters to fans of him playing this character, that I think 
the video game is definitely was it I'm guessing it was a test in some ways to see if they uh, want Kane to play it or more importantly if they want to put a big budget into it because I know Jason X did not make a ton of money no unfortunately because it, it was Canadian like so it was way. very polite when it didn't do well um, <laughs> I love Jason X by the way I, I think I have an Uber Jason right here on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of going into what Corey said about is Friday the 13th the beginning of a resurgence of slasher film video games? Um, there was a game released called Dead by Daylight, which has the same concept of Jason, where it's one supervillain versus, you know, I think in Dead by Daylight it's four, in Friday the 13th it'll be seven. But it's, uh, you know, 4v1. So Dead by Daylight has gone ahead and uh, they will be releasing on October 31st a DLC which lets you play as Michael Myers. I believe you get a map that's in the house too. Uh, but you yeah, can... And it also involves Laurie Strode, I yep. believe, as well. Yeah, so uh, we briefly spoke about this game prior to starting to record, but I, I, w I really wanted to hold out till Friday the 13th because it's really the same concept. Um, but with this, I think I might just go ahead and buy it. It's not, I don't believe it's expensive either. I'm going to look it up real quick on Steam. Now, I don't know if and this is getting a, a, a console release at all, though. Yeah, there are people in the comments who are saying that they're hoping it comes to PS4, uh, but I don't think that that's anything that they've listed so far. It Again, I mean, the, the concept is good as far as a game goes, but there's really something else about seeing those killers that you've seen up on screen uh, that are beloved franchises and getting to play as them or against them. And right. I think that may be why the game hasn't been as successful. I don't know how good it is as far as gameplay, but this certainly doesn't hurt as far as getting interest in it that might not have been there before. Yeah, so it's currently at $20. Um, plus, it has a free DLC, and then you can do, there's like DLCs you can pay for. Um, now, it's getting mostly positive reviews, which take that with a grain of salt because it's just the Steam rating. But I don't know. For... for Twenty dollars? Can you really go wrong? Even if the the uh, Michael Myers DLC is five dollars, that's twenty five dollars. That's a lot worse. I could do with that amount of money. Just be able to walk around through a virtual Haddonfield seems kind of interesting to me. For twenty bucks, that's not such a bad thing. Uh, by the time we're done here, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have purchases. So thanks, Corey. Not the first <laughs> You're time, welcome. not the last time. I was going to ask Derek. Uh, it's okay if you want to abstain from from commenting on this one because you've got friends who do the other game, or I I don't I really don't know about the game. I hadn't heard of it until today, and I, I, I do love Michael Myers. I just have never, uh, I haven't heard of it. Now. I think the idea of being able to play as him and and Laurie Strode is a, is pretty awesome. I mean, I just I don't know about the the game. Like, I I just know that the because the um, Friday the Thirteenth game was made by fans, but then you know approved and merchandised by Seanus Cunningham, that it's going to be very good and they're putting the time into it. As this being a DLC, I'm not sure. I hope that it's good, though. I will, um, I'll, I'll take the bullet for you and, and tell you how it is. I'm willing to play video games to tell you how it is. <laughs> <laughs> He'll take that bullet. Yeah, that's, you know, someone's got to do it. And I feel like it should be me. Uh, the next uh, news story we have here is the um, Wolf Creek miniseries. Corey, I'm going to hand this off to you. Uh, Wolf Creek. Have you not seen Wolf Creek? Uh, was that a movie? Yes, oh, it's boy. a movie. Losing Street it takes Red. place. It's it's three twenty somethings who are out in the essentially the outback of Australia. They break down somewhere. They meet up with this crocodile Dundee type guy 
uh, out there and they hang out for the night. And then the next day, uh, they, they realize that he's basically sort of captured them and goes into the act of killing them. It is a brutal film. There's been a sequel. I haven't watched the sequel yet, but there's one scene in particular that I remember uh, that he calls head on a stick uh, or something along those lines. And it is, it's, it's a harsh flick. So they've been talking about doing a series, a TV series with, I, I think the original killer is in it. And it, it had appeared on the pop network. It started on Friday. So I'm hoping that it's something oh, that's available on demand because it had already started, but yeah. So a six episode series, it's just started in, if it's anything like the movies, I mean, it's it'll be uh it'll be a hard but good good horror watch. Have you seen this, Derek? The the movie? I saw Wolf Creek the movie. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by the idea of them doing a mini series. It seems like, based on the news that's been released about it, that they're definitely not just milking the movie, especially the fact the movie came out. I don't remember how long it was a while ago. Two thousand five. Yeah, it's been several years. Two thousand five. Yeah, it's been quite a while. So. 11 years. So I think that it's, I'm glad that they're not, um, they're not just trying to like milk the movie popularity. Mm -hmm. It seems like it might be pretty good. I'm excited to watch it. I think that it has the potential to be very good. I feel like it helps that it's not on like Fox, you know, and I haven't been able to watch the Exorcist TV show that is on Fox, but I feel like if something's going to make it suck, it's going to be the fact that Fox is involved or your NBC or CBS. (laughs) Just because they want to obviously make as much money as possible, they don't really care about the product. They mostly care about the money. Yeah. So. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I think. Um, I, I mean, I think it could be. It could be definitely very good, though. Uh, I, I've heard The Exorcist is a very good show, by the way. Okay. Good. Yeah. I just I haven't had time to yeah, watch my it. Wife, it's on my DVR, though. Uh, my wife Erin has watched the first couple episodes. Uh, she she hasn't said anything like raving about it but she hasn't said that it's bad either and she's still watching it so that's at least something she loses interest in things pretty fast but this is being compared to a a female unforgiven uh the the basically an american family comes out to northern australia and the character mick taylor kills them all and the daughter uh is a young and athletic college student she survives the attack and once discharged from the hospital with nothing left to lose, she sets about bringing her assailant to justice. So it's it's a little bit revenge-driven on top of it. It's not just the escaping from the madman. It sounds like the madman attack starts it out, and then it's trying to go back in that lion's den. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to try and get my hands on this. It sounds like a little Kill Billy, honestly, mm. with the yeah. revenge aspect. I'm, I'm very excited to see if he ever does the uh, Kill Bill 3. Um Taking us on a tangent, I guess, but <laughs> I just I've I've been, I'm intrigued by the idea if he ever does one of those because he said he wants to do a third one, and we're hitting about the time that he would he he'll be doing it if because uh, he mean, only has he... a few movies left. He said right, he, he has said movies he's retiring he's after promised. 10. Right, uh, but he also said he wanted to still do the the Vega Brothers one. True, yeah, which I don't know how that would work at this point. I don't know. I I don't know if he'll necessarily retire permanently. I think it's one of those, unless he has a good idea, he just doesn't want to make a movie. He doesn't want to just be going on and on and on. Which he is, wants to kind of go out. But Yeah, that's that's good, though. You don't want to just make a movie to make a movie. I agree. I just, I kind of would say, don't expect movies from me after 10, but I'm going to be, you know, but who knows? He, he doesn't seem like the person who's going to want to sit around. 
Right. Like I think he's gonna one day wake up and just write a movie. I mean, he wrote the entire Inglorious Bastards script in one plane ride from L.A. to New York, the rough draft. Because <laughs> yeah. uh... he didn't even have a title. He just Weinstein knew he was announcing a movie, so they set up a panel for him, and then he just scribbled on like a piece of paper the title, and they scanned it in and they digitized it and they put it on the on the projector behind them. Huh. <laughs> Spelled wrong and everything the way he wanted it to be. So. That's awesome. I never knew that. The things you learn. The I know way too many movie facts. But that's good. That's <laughs> you're you're a, a director and you know you should know movie facts. I'm just a guy on the internet, so I don't need to know movie facts. At least correct ones. I was gonna say you're a guy on the internet talking about movies. You might it might help you to know some. <laughs> yeah, people don't come here to listen to my movie facts. Maybe they do. If they do, that sucks. But keeping with the TV show aspect of uh, whatever the hell we're talking about. Um, Ash vs. Evil Dead was confirmed for a third season, which is kind of insane since the third episode of the second season just aired. Yeah, but I think that they kind of knew already. I'll guarantee they knew. The first season, they I think they announced the second season when the first episode premiered. Yep. Around that. Before. And so, yeah. It was, it was like a week before it premiered. They're like, uh, huh, everybody seems kind of into this. Yeah. Maybe we I should think, think they about... just saw it. I, I personally, um, I haven't started the second season yet, but I just binge watched the first one, and uh, and I don't have a ton of time right now to watch TV, and I watched the all the episodes in like two days because that is how awesome Bruce Campbell being back as Ash is. It, it's, it's season two is more of season one, so if you liked season one, you'll like that's season awesome. two. There's no reason to reinvent that wheel. No, none. We'll no. And that's it's the thing. Wheel for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this is like how huh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, he, he seems to have a sustaining popularity. Maybe we should capitalize on that by utilizing the character that he's most well known for and most beloved for. I mean, it, he he. You can put him in anything, and people are going to watch it. I, he's the reason why I stuck with Burn Notice as long as I did. Um, but he's so excellent in this part and it's so iconic and it's it's funny because it's not the iconic killer part that we get from so many other things this is the opposite this is the guy that's fighting against those things that everybody wants to win and they want to root for but he still gets to do the quips he's still the 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 most charming character on the screen and that's rare and to see that get to continue on um i know that they're re-releasing the remake of uh evil dead they're doing an a unrated version yeah. and that was actually really good but in a completely different way uh and that's but... why they uh it was weird it was the guy i just found this out yesterday that um I'm trying to remember it was the guy who did there was a short film online a few years ago where there was these giant monsters like going through uh, like a town and then they you panned over and it got to like a bridge and the monster started destroying the city. It was like a seven-minute short. And that was Fede Alvarez, the guy who did it. And he then got Spielberg told Universal to give him a deal. And they gave him a budget. They said, you have like a $7 million budget um, or 20 or 30. I forget exactly the number, but they told him a number and then gave him a choice of scripts. And he was like, actually, I have a script of The Evil Dead, uh, uh, like a remake to The Evil Dead could you show that to Sam Raimi? And obviously Universal's made a lot of money in the Evil Dead movies. They showed it to him. He loved it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because when the remake of Evil Dead came out, we had just had Cabin in the Woods, and it's it's weird because that was so much 
based around where Evil Dead had been a springboard and a lot of other things too. It referenced yeah. so much stuff. But then to see it kind of done again, but taken completely seriously and uh, just going so far into the the dark with it, uh, I'm glad that it it's that it's actually been treated respectfully because a lot of times when remakes happen, it whether they're good or not, and that that can be argumented. Um, people really like this for what it was, knowing that it was something different, and it helps that it didn't take away from Bruce Campbell still having evil dead in the long run i mean at that point in time we weren't sure there there was the final like after credit stinger of you know him coming out and grabbing the i don't even think you see him but you hear him say groovy and he grabs the chainsaw uh but still to see this continue on and so it can kind of be both things it can diverge into both different parts now and, and they I were going to do another good. movie uh fairly right before the show and then apparently they wrote too many they, they saw the script and it was like 800 pages and they broke it up and they said, ah, this could be a TV show now. But that yeah. was Ash vs. Evil Dead. It was the idea like we'd pick up on him, you know, 30 years later and he did something stupid and things are happening again and he has to stop it. And like that was the whole idea was just one more, you know, just a movie. And then they picked it, the stars picked it up and it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's so but fun. I'm excited to see the... Uh, the third season and the second season finished. Agreed. Um, keeping up with the, the TV news, I guess it's October, so this makes sense. But <laughs> Sci-Fi is renewing Van Helsing for a second season. I never watched it. I don't know if either of you I have. I didn't even know it was a show. Yeah, I'm <laughs> it's, it's new. They had just done uh, a show called Winona Earp that is similar. It, Sci-Fi is doing a lot of shows that seem like they're Joss Whedon light. And Van Helsing is, of course, a, a basically a descendant of Van Helsing that now it's a girl and, and she's fighting evil creatures and stuff. And it, it looks perfectly fine. It looks well suited towards sci-fi's demographic. Um, but I've, every time I've tried their shows, very few <coughs> things that have been stuff that I can stick around with for too long. I, I try, I want to, uh, the closest I think I've gotten is probably Eureka. Um, but that was what, a totally was very sci-fi different. Sci-fi that did a show about, uh, did sci-fi do Tin Man? Yes. I like Tin Man. I thought Tin Man, that's probably the only show that I've watched the whole thing that was on sci-fi. Because I would, that cast was very good. Um, but I agree, yeah. This Van Helsing does, based on this article here, it looks like it could be a decent show. It looks nice. It, the footage looks really beautiful. Yeah, and, and I don't want to disparage it. I haven't watched Van Helsing yet. I was only in a couple episodes to Winona Earp, and it was... It was also, it was good, and I think that there was something it was building towards, but it felt so familiar to other shows that I've already watched that were honestly better shows. Uh, but Buffy wasn't just blow your mind out amazing in the first season. It, it took it a while to find its footing. Uh, yeah. So I think with any of these, that, that's got to happen too. And it's, it's a question of if they're going to have the time to do it. It's nice that Sci-Fi's renewed this so that it, it's only a few episodes in at the moment. I think it's only five episodes in of this season. Uh, it's nice that they can at least have the confidence that when the season ends, they've got something that they can pick up on next season to continue it. Uh, so that changes how you write the story. Oh, yeah. You don't want to necessarily end it right now. Yeah. And they're probably still editing season one, so they they can potentially do some reshoots to do a cliffhanger if they thought it was just going to get one season. That's a valid point. I never really thought about how that works. I just assume that they always plan for multiple seasons it really depends on the show i mean it depends on if you've been canceled before um i know with arrested development they 
uh, joked in season three. Like it was like, I don't know if either of you watch that show, but mm -hmm. yeah. like all of season three was, they like kept joking with gimmicks and bringing characters back and 3d scenes and somebody's <laughs> going to die. And a scene that's live because they knew that it was the last season, but they were hoping if yeah. they got so over the top with it, that we're the show that nobody watches, but we keep winning Emmys. Right? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I'm very excited to see what they do with the fifth season of that. Because the fourth one, I enjoyed. A lot of people did not. But I thought it was still fun. It wasn't quite as good as one through three. But I, I found it funny. And the idea that I heard that they're thinking of doing for the fourth, where it's more like a uh, like a court show, like a to, to find a murderer, to make a murderer oh, type a show. Murderer. Yeah. About <laughs> Monster Bluth murdering Lucille 2. Because... Uh, <laughs> That was the, they read a line at something I watched online, like Lucille, like the woman who plays her said it, like Jessica Walters said, it was only after they found Buster Blue's handprints at the scene of the crime of Lucille II's murder that they knew they were, that this, that this something had been, you know, that had been blown way out of proportion or something. I don't know. It's, I just think it's going to, it could be very funny to do like a making a murder documentary style, uh, Arrested Development. Okay. Yeah, I mean it. That's a show that wasn't afraid to reinvent itself or reinvent what the what the storyline was each season. No, not at all. But it's those characters that you keep tuning in for. Exactly. Very true. Um, let's see. Who else got renewed? Uh, Scream is coming back for season three. Corey, you watch this, don't you? No, I've never seen it. I I think I watched the preview that was online for the premiere, and I. <laughs> I just wasn't sure. Now, Scream is one of those movies. The number one was really good. Two was pretty good. Three was, oh, what happened? And then four was, fuck you for even making this. And so I wasn't sure that uh, watching it on MTV was going to be something I was going to do. But part of the reason why I wasn't interested was because, well, it's on MTV, so how good is it going to be? Right. As I understand it, the first season was okay, but the second season has gotten quite a bit better. And part of this is that we've got a Halloween two-hour special that's coming out this year, and then we'll have a sort of abbreviated third season next year. Have you yeah, seen this? I, I saw season one, most of season one, and I really liked it. I, uh, I mean, I didn't think it was amazing the first few episodes, especially, but it found its groove eventually, and it definitely. Um, I was very. It was one of those things. I I said I was not going to watch it because I didn't want to watch a show that didn't have the mask yeah and it doesn't have the screen mask but they pretty much right away on the show make reference of that and then uh it, it kind of does its own thing and it, it felt very similar to the movies like you could tell that whoever was writing it was a huge fan of, of kevin williamson's and wes craven's and there's a lot of like one of the lead characters is constantly talking like he's he's an expert on movies and video games and and like reality shows and he's always kind of telling all the characters like he's almost like the narrator in a lot of ways like there was always one character in the movies like that um and they even have that on the show i don't know i liked it i thought it was pretty good but i have not seen season two yet i i do have to watch it yeah and it, it it's now in my queue on netflix it's something that i'm like okay maybe maybe i can put this into into play and see how it works out See, I was never the hugest fan of the movies, so 
the TV show didn't really excite me. Is what. Yeah, but now at least you can just watch it and think, well, I hate fucking teenagers, so it'll be nice to watch them all get murdered. That's true. The last time I saw this, I was a teen, so murder wasn't quite at <laughs> the top of my list of things to do. Not saying it is now. It sort of is. <laughs> ah, that's going to do it for news for the week. Uh, let's go ahead and get into 1986's Critters, which was Corey's pick. I don't know what I yeah, just watched. I, I just want to apologize to, to Derek because this was chosen. Usually we have the guests choose the film that we're going to watch when they're on. <laughs> And this was something that we were already like in the midst of doing this. And we were excited when you said you wanted to be on. Right. We just weren't sure if we needed to move stuff around or, or what. Derek is two for no. two on hopping onto shows and being forced to watch a movie. Yeah, this one, I like this one a lot, though. I did like Critters. I mean, it was very weird, but I liked it for a lot of reasons. One, it's obviously New Line for years was the king of horror films. Like they were, they were, I mean, they call themselves the house that Freddie built for a reason, like without those films and, and films like Critters and stuff, it would never have been able to do Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies or anything like it's been doing. And obviously we know it's a different company now than it was back when they did Critters, but still, um, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was, I love the eighties and, and uh, like nineties kind of and seventies kind of horror, especially like I just saw Chopping Mall. It used to be oh, called wow. Killbots. Yeah. I, I got the blue. <laughs> I met the people who directed and wrote it and, and did the effects and music and, and bought the Blu-ray, $40 Blu-ray for this movie. And it wasn't amazing, but it was a lot of fun. I definitely have to say, just like this, I thought this one was a lot of fun. It had some great, like the monsters I thought were pretty cool looking. Mm -hmm. um, designed by uh, the Shioto brothers, the guys who did the killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, and this movie has a lot of pedigree. I mean, even if you just, the, the writers... One of them did, and, and this is going to probably kill Matt, he did the Ginger Dead Man, and he also did another series of films called Evil Bong, and then the crossover between Tommy Ginger Chong. Dead Man and Evil Bong. Uh, but a lot of a lot of things, like some Puppet Master stuff, some of the, oh, I can't think of the name. I, we watched that movie recently with the, the killer dolls. Uh, Blood Dolls, I think it was. That, that, that was what's that? Was it Demonic Toys that you watched? Uh, it's from the same company. Demonic Toys, Puppet Master, and Blood Dolls are oh, all yes. from the same company. Blood, Blood Dolls as well. And uh, this uh, Ginger Dead Man is from them as well. <laughs> I think from them. Uh, so this guy did a lot of like the the C whore, the D whore. But then the other writer did things like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Disney's Three Musketeers, and the live-action uh, 101 Dalmatians. Like, this guy went on to do The Mighty Ducks. Like, that's kind of crazy that he started out, his his first movie was Critters uh, as the director, and then he went on to do all these really well-known things from the 80s. Uh, and now he's doing, well, he did an episode of Rush Hour for TV. That's too bad. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I liked it because, I mean, they had a great cast. Um, in a lot, in a lot of the scene, you know, Billy Zane was in it. Um, yeah, Billy Zane is the boyfriend with the the ponytail. It was just like so weird and random. Like Billy Zane's in this? Holy shit! What was funny about it? I watched this with a bunch of my roommates, and it was kind of uncomfortable. Billy Zane was like the weirdest boyfriend in an '80s movie I've ever seen. Like she was pressuring him the entire time to have sex. He was not. And he was like. Laid. 
not at all. He was like, no, but your dad is your dad's going bowling. We should go and support him. Uh, the barn. Uh, not sure I want to do it in a barn. If your dad comes, he's going to skin my hide. Everything was like, no, 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 no. And then, you know. I kind of appreciated that just because of the fact that it's usually it's the opposite. And and she's like, oh, if you want your keys back, you better come up to the barn with me. And just like all these things that you would <laughs> normally see the guy do to the girl in these movies and pressure them into the sex. And then the, the, the usually they'll they'll both die. But it's always like uh, the girl didn't even want to be there. Why the fuck is this <laughs> happening? Why is it? Why is Kane Hodder stabbing her in the face? Um, but in this, he is like, no, no, I don't know if I should. Well, all right, maybe a little bit. And then uh, he he dies. He, he he dies first, or not first, but pretty close to it. That's and what he gets. Can we just establish that at the end of the movie, we'll jump back after this, but at the end of the movie, when they're like, they're bummed their house has gotten destroyed and their house gets put back together and they're all happy, they're all standing in front of the barn where Billy Zane's corpse still is inside and no one's even looking at it. Like no one even thinks, oh yeah, by the way, uh, guys with died in there, uh, he's going to stink soon. Should we do anything about that or just. No, the daughter, the, her boyfriend's dead. She's hugging them being like, oh great. We have our house back. Yeah. Not upset in any way, shape or form that her boyfriend's dead in the corner or that there's a friggin' no one's like walking around checking. Like, oh, is the chicken coop? Okay. Yeah. Thank Except God the, the cameraman in the mailbox. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, Dee Wallace was in it too. Uh, she's an icon in these movies. Oh, she's an icon um, in everything. I mean, and we talked about this a little bit when we did Gremlins recently, but there were a lot of references to Spielberg movies in Gremlins. And this is, of course, obviously kind of a, a different take on Gremlins, but not too dissimilar. And there's a point where they're like one of the critters is talking to a stuffed E.T. doll and... Like, it's pissed off that the E.T. doll isn't talking back to him, and it starts eating its face. And wasn't Dee Wallace from E.T.? Am I remembering that right? Was she the mom in that, or was it Terry Gar? No, she was the mom in it. It's Dee yeah, Wallace. Yeah, she was the mom. And she was in Cujo and The Howling, and we watched her recently in Frighteners. Like, she is, she was really the mom in a lot of things in the, uh, but it was, it was great to see her in that. Yeah, it was. It was. She, she always brings a reality to them, honestly. She is, I don't know, I just, I've always loved her in, in movies, and I think that she's def She's also in the new, uh, one of Kane Hodder's new film, Death House, with him. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's an iconic horror actress. Not just specifically horror films, but, I mean, when you think of, not necessarily even Scream Queen so much, but just in general actresses that you see recurring, like, if I was going to name a list of actresses, she's in that list, and she belongs there. Yeah, it's her, uh, and funnily enough, Lynn Shay, who is also in this movie, is another yeah. one that appears in so many different horror films. And honestly, for a reason, she's, uh, she's phenomenal as well. The Insidious movies are just her latest chance to uh, show how much talent she has, but she's been around forever. You know, her brother was the founder of New Line Cinema. Yeah, that makes sense. And that sense. probably so explains in, why she's in this. She was in a couple of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Yep. Yeah, she was in One and New Nightmare. Yeah. The two Wes Craven ones. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah, she's... she. I was really excited some of the people of this. Uh, the guy who played Neelix on Star Trek Voyager was in here as the... There were a lot of great character actors that showed up in this that you just see in so many things, and so you instantly recognize them. And it, it made the film seem less campy because of all these great actors. Like, not 
name actors, not people that you go, oh yeah, this person or like Tom Cruise or whoever. It's but still you recognize them and you feel kind of comfortable with them being there because they know what they're doing. They're so well established in their their old hat at this. M uh M. Emmett Walsh as the uh the sheriff of the town, like there there's a real pedigree to it. And even uh, Scott Grimes, who was, you know, young at the time, has grown up and went on to be on ER for a number of seasons and plays Steve Smith on American Dad. Yeah, I saw that when characters. I looked in, Yeah, I saw that when I looked into it. I was like, he looks familiar and then he looks like someone I know when I was watching the movie. And then I realized Steve Smith, I mean, even him today, they, he looks exactly the same and it's just yeah. him uh, animated. It's literally just him as a little kid animated. And that's Steve. They look very similar, um, which is, is very entertaining. And M. Emmett at Walsh, yeah, he was one of the crankiest sheriffs I've ever seen, though. I mean, he didn't give a crap about the town in a lot of ways. It seemed like he was just sort of going on, like, you know, all right, fine, I'm going to go down to the bar, and then I'll go see if these people are alive. It's like yeah. he just kind of went through, like, didn't believe anybody. Like, you tell him to get out of his mind out of the gutter. And it was like everything was just big and over the top with him. But it's good. I mean, it brought sort of a realism to these 80s movies. Because obviously the, the law enforcement, the first thing they're going to do is not going to believe the drunk. That right. there's a problem. That there's Martians. Okay, Charlie, go and get some more alcohol or stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and the the dad was was in one of the Friday the 13th. He was in the Jason Goes to Hell as the sheriff. So, I mean, there's... He was, yeah. There's so many, just like, when you add up the cast and you, you just kind of travel down as to where they've all been, what they, they've all done, it's 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 an amazingly high-quality cast to do this film. Uh, the the guy who plays the singer, that's that's probably one of my, my critical points of this movie, is that they have the, the, the two um, bounty hunters, the space bounty hunters, and one of them, Ugg, when they decide what they're going to look like to look human, picks this singer, Johnny Steele. And they show Johnny Steele's music video and play that song by Johnny Steele like three or four different times <laughs> in the movie. And it's just it's like at a certain point in time, you want to you want to club Johnny Steele. You want to you want to you want to John Lennon him. Basically, you just want to go outside of his hotel and like, I'm going to kill that guy. But uh at the same time, like he is a very well-known character actor and and like musical theater guy, but he's and recently he's been in Sense Eight, uh, that series on Netflix, which is one of my favorite series uh, from the last couple of years. But he was in a chorus line. Like there's there's pedigree to this. Yeah, I mean it's just very entertaining that he was on. Uh, I just l love that. First of all, I thought it was a real band at first. I was it like, oh god. Because I saw a short film, or I saw a feature film lately that uh, is like you know still in in a production or not production, but it's still in post. And one of the see all of a sudden they did like a music video in the middle of the movie, and I was like, did this band pay you to? And that was the case. I thought that was the case, and that they're like product placement. This band's gonna perform. We can show their half their music video. They did a fake music video for a fake band just to get that point across, and everyone loves them. But no one reacts when they see him and they know who he is, even though everybody's watching it. Dee Wallace is watching it at one point. When she yeah. sees him, she doesn't react like, oh, Johnny, whatever, even though she's watching the movie. It's just the, like his music MTV's video on in the background. Over him. Like she's actually like watching it very intently. 
so much so we thought she was going to blow off the guy's bowling tournament. Like, right. That's all he talks about. But everyone else is doing something else. Like, I thought his family was just abandoning him. Oh, bowling. I'm not, no, we're not going to go. Nah. You go defend your championships with the, the bowl busters or whatever the name was of his league that with the shirts that look like Ghostbusters. Yeah, I mean, even from the beginning of this where we're dealing with aliens and the spaceships and everything and the the prison planet and the the Kreitz escape like even that stuff looks pretty solid like there was there was not a poor production in this movie when when they're showing yeah. they have different alien creatures the whole scene of Ugg's face changing to to the Johnny Steel persona persona looks pretty good i mean it's that reverse melt away face so it, it shows the skull and then stuff forming over it uh the effects on this were were good and then the the creatures themselves that's kind of what it all hinges on everything about that i thought I, they're obviously puppets but they're well done puppets in some ways i like them better than i like how the gremlins were used uh in at least the first gremlins movie it seemed like they looked a little bit more consistent like there were scenes in gremlins where that you could tell they were animatronic and then other scenes where it's just like a bunch of gremlins on sticks going down the street. It's kind of like in the uh -huh. South Park movie when they say that, you know, it's something about, they make a joke about cheap animation and then they just show them kind of like bouncing around on the paper. I agree. I I was super confused the majority of this movie. So <laughs> I, I, I don't understand why Corey was so hell-bent on watching this for so long. I didn't think it was bad though. I got to get that across. I didn't think it was a bad movie. It was just, I didn't know what I was expecting. And I think I expected it to be kind of a Gremlins ripoff. And there was, I hate to say it, but there was like more story to it than that. You know, there was intergalactic bounty hunters. And yeah, my, my probably my favorite scene in the entire movie is when the, the girl calls from the bowling alley because they shot up the place. And they're like, oh, did you get a description? And she's like, oh, it's this guy and that guy. And they shot up the bar at the bowling alley. Just didn't seem to get that. Everyone was just staring at her. And, and one of the people who shot at the bowling alley is the reverend that the sheriff is standing right next to when she's saying right, it. Right, right. It's like perfectly uh, over the top. It is, but it makes sense. It, if gremlins had, like when the gremlins start going crazy and everything, if the old Chinese guy who had sold a gremlin to the dad had sent a bunch of assassins in to go after the gremlins to clear them out of the town, that's essentially what critters it. Yeah. Um, it's 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 facing the okay. This should never have happened. We have to send someone who's responsible to clean this up uh, because it's only going to get worse from here. And that's that's the difference. And then the gremlins being self-replicating, it just gets bigger and bigger. Whereas this stays for the most part limited to this one house and this one group of people. But I was I was surprised not only how much I remember <laughs> this movie, but how much I thought I remembered this movie, but it's actually from the sequel. Like, there were parts that I kept waiting to happen, and it didn't happen in this. I'm like, oh, no, that's Critters 2. And so now I kind of feel like I need to watch that uh, just to to get the the rest of that story. And then I don't remember ever seeing Critters 3 and maybe just parts of Critters 4 when I was growing up. But I, I they all connect. It's one of those things where it does continue on and it stays. At least some of the characters are consistent between them. Um, and that's... That's kind of what's cool about it is that it's not something that just like, oh, well, we're going to take this concept, but we're going to put it in another town. Or we're going to put this in a whole other environment and like uh, critters in the outback and critters in, you know, Lake Kawanda or something. And that's kind of what I expected was I and I haven't watched two, three or four, but just looking at the, the, the movie poster and the fourth one is like a critter on a planet. So I was like, oh, just 
I assume the critters just get to space somehow. Having now watched the first one, it makes way more sense because they came from space. You know, they they weren't like formed on Earth and made it to space. This is just probably them going back to where they came from. Yeah, it appears like Critters One is Critters One and Two take place in Grover's Bend, um, the town from the first one. Three is in L.A. and then four is in a space station. So yeah, nice. Three, but it seems like it's contained at least. Grover's Bend doesn't seem like that big of a town for them to get loose in. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. What else happened in this movie, Corey? Is your pick? Um, well, it it there's a lot of stuff that happens. One of the things that is that the family themselves get beat to shit, yeah. but maintain and and maintain by sticking together. Uh, I think that's that's part of it is the fact that you know the the dad and the mom take control and they they're like you know at one point they have to send the son out to get help because neither of them are in the shape to do it the mom's uh taking a dart to the neck and uh the dad's pretty fucked up too and he has to protect the mom and the daughter besides that so they they send the the son brad out and he's honestly he's the fastest he's got a good hat on his shoulders and everything about it but they do manage to like okay these things are attacking us we're not going to play stupid we're going (coughs) to We're going to barricade ourselves in here. We're going to use our guns. We're going to gather up weapons. Like everybody powers through um, in a way that a, a farming family you would expect would. Like there's there's the things that play the, the characters just stupid just to have them all get killed. And this doesn't really do that. There are certainly characters that um, like the, the deputy that come through and aren't paying enough attention. But the first time you see something like this, you're not going to know what's coming. But everybody who, once they realize what's going on, they act accordingly. And so there wasn't the wanton amount of death that I, wanton amount of death that I would expect from from this kind of movie, especially in the 80s, where it's just like, let's just hack everybody through. Uh, but it it feels a little bit more realistic because of that, with the fantastical elements in there. Which almost makes it like the proper amount of scary. Proper amount of scary and the the ridiculous factor is meant more in play with the the alien bounty hunters. Right. Like them going into different places. We want the Krites and then just shooting shit up. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say more, so I, I was ill prepared to have a statement. They are they're uh they were not very effective bounty hunters though. They just were mostly shooting. They <laughs> And that's what they're kind of, t- we're told that at the beginning, when that's true, like, we, yeah. we'd like to see less destruction this time. And it's great because they're just like flick off the radio, like, no, fuck you. We're going to do it how we do it. But, but then yeah. even there, like they, they take some um, pity on, on Brad and his family by saying, you know, Hey kid, you're, you're cool. It's, it's too bad that, that all this happened, but give me a call sometime. And one, which lays out how a sequel could happen, but two, it, it's like, we're going to fix your house for you. We're going to make this right by you guys. Uh, again, ignoring the fact that there's a dead dude in your barn. Fuck that. You know, unless some <laughs> coffin formed around him when the, when the thing went off. But other than that, yeah, like your house is all better. We, we, we didn't give you the extra bathroom we wanted. Sorry. Just maybe next time. <laughs> I got nothing. It was just a really cut and dry movie. It, it did what I needed it to do, which was portray a uh, extraterrestrial furball murder machine you know i wish that the bounty hunters would have done a little more um i don't know i i did like the scene where uh the two critters are on the porch and they're like oh they got weapons and they're like yeah so what and she comes up she shoots one and the one just goes fuck and runs away like i thought that was kind of funny because it, it not only shows that they can be defeated but it also is like 
it gave them a little bit more personality and it shows yeah. the mom she blows two of them away because she gets one in the upstairs too <laughs> mm -hmm. like the mom is not helpless I, again what i like about this is the family is a strong family they don't just portray them as as dumb you compare this to um to movies like uh slither like there's a lot of other films that, that fit this category like the small town and the mm -hmm. creatures come loose uh, and, and a lot of those movies, honestly, are, are my favorite kinds of films, the, the weird creatures that are just like wreaking havoc on everything. But this is not played as much for those kind of laughs, which is weird because the critters themselves are funny. The, the concept itself is funny. I think it, it builds on it more in the sequel. Uh, if you want to know more about the bounty hunters, there's definitely more use of them and Charlie in the sequel so that that would be a reason to go and look at that too i always just kind of considered them one big movie yeah i'm gonna have to check out the other ones then yeah it, having watched the first one i definitely want to watch the other three and i've been sitting on all four of these for six eight months Corey. whenever the hell you decided that we should watch these so i've had <laughs> really them all early in the podcast yeah it's probably yeah, yeah I've been, these have been in my possession for a very long time and now that i've actually seen the first one i i do kind of want to watch the other three remember you get to look forward to seeing a very young uh leonardo dicaprio in one of the later critter sequels i, I believe three. three i don't know you can't top billy zane uh, can you it was just so funny i'm like fucking billy zane rock on like he should have brought them with him for demon night that would have been much better <laughs> did you know that this is billy zane's second i did not i will give you one guess as to what his first one is and i know you won't get it. i will not back to the future one Really? Was yep. he one of the friends of uh, Biff? Biff? Yeah, his man. No, that makes total sense. Yep. Yeah, because I remember him in, in Back to the Future 2 a lot more than 1, but I right. sort of remember him in 1. I wonder if he's coming back to Twin Peaks. I mean, where we left off with his character is, uh, I mean, maybe. If they're bringing Audrey back, then they I still need to finish that show, back. so don't ruin it. Yeah. Way uh, behind the curve. It's an amazing show. I really liked it. It really is. I can't. Awesome. I can't it's wait great. for the. I can't wait for the new season. <coughs> yeah, that's one of those things that I'm. I, I mean, I. I watched Twin Peaks again when it was on TV when it was actually airing, and uh, and then went to see the movie in the theater when it came out. I read the books over the summer between the the two seasons, the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer and the uh, FBI Files of Agent Cooper. I've made an MP3 file of the Dale Cooper tapes because uh, they released those. Like I. I know that there are people more hardcore Twin Peaks than I am, but I'm up there. Yeah, and, you're an ultra uh, nerd. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty nerdy on this stuff. Well, uh, I have I have potential fan fiction waiting to go with Dale Cooper somewhere down the line. I think that it's gonna. I think they're gonna do it right because the fact of the matter is David Lynch doesn't need the money, so right. he's only doing it because I think he he knows that he has some more stories to tell, and the fact that he was ready to walk. Yep. on the project he created because they didn't want to give him enough money shows that, you know, he I'm really wants do to this do it, do it right. Yeah. And it's the budgets are huge, but if you look at the cast, you have everyone from the original show pretty much, plus like Amanda Siegfried and like 18 other new people that are yeah. A-listers in it. So to get all those people to do the show and without ruining anything for Matt, like all I'll say is that there's most shows utilize a lot of the people. And although you can shoot out of order, um, obviously, to, and just edit that way, it's still they're they're needed on set quite a bit. If if they're a major character, which seems like they are, they're going to be needed a lot. 
yeah, I think I'm five or six episodes in. I'm enjoying it. The, the thing that sucks is that I don't find myself like wanting to go and watch more. Like, let me rephrase that. I want to finish it, but it's not like some shows where it's like, I have an hour for free. I'm going to watch this just to keep progressing the story. It, it, for me, was a show that I needed like two or three hours for you to watch. Just because I always felt like I needed to watch an episode and then have an hour or a half hour at least free after to watch like an episode of American Dad or Family Guy because <laughs> it's a very depressing show especially oh, yeah. if you get on to season two it becomes even it gets darker and darker and darker the whole time mm-hmm. yeah. so it never gets you're at the happy point right like it just keeps going down from there not like down in quality it's certainly good but it just keeps going down and it's sad it feels, it's very sad yeah that's I'm okay with that I, I like dark I like dark. Stuff. I am too. I just occasionally, like after I watched it, it, was like, "Do you want to watch another episode?" A lot of times they'd be like, "No, I, I want. I'll watch I another need... one tomorrow, but let's do something in between." I need, I need a puppy. I need some raspberries sorbet to to cleanse the palate. Do you want to rate this, or do you have uh, something else, Corey? Um, yeah, I, I can't think just of kind of pushing it all on you. This. Like I, 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 one of the things is that it does do exactly what it needs to, uh, which started to become more of a prominent thing at, around this time, is it sets it up for the sequel. It it telegraphs mm-hmm. that pretty well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and in this case, I didn't hate that they did it. I didn't hate how they did it. It they laid the groundwork in the movie to do it. Uh, so it wasn't like a jump scare at the end. It's like, oh, the killer's still alive. It was nothing like that. It it seemed like a solid plan all in all. But yeah, I I knew that I could have rose-colored glasses when it came to this movie because I loved it so much when I was a kid that I was going to watch it and like, oh, well, it's probably going to suck. And I just like, I'm remembering it one way when it's really not that good. It's a really good movie. I liked it. I definitely think it was very good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far to say really good, but... Well, then let's give it a rank. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I think we changed it since the last time Derek was here. Either way, I will explain it. Uh, we do three categories now. Rewatchability, story, scariness on a zero to five. We'll go one at a time. Starting with rewatchability, zero to five. Derek, since you're our esteemed guest, you get to go first. Rewatchability, I would say say it probably has a... F- I would say five rewatchability. I'd watch it again. I can agree. Corey? Uh, yeah, it's it's a five for me. I bought the, the four movies on DVD a little while ago and it it's a pain in the ass to get up and put a dvd in uh no because uh, fucking society but <laughs> i'm glad i have it because the idea that i can at any point in time watch all four critters films is uh is important to me it's very true uh next up we had story zero to five derek can you do half points or no? yeah 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 you yeah. can okay. definitely do i'll say 4.5 on that i i like the story i thought it was a bit weird at times but i thought it was original i think especially for 1986, they didn't take the cheap way out and do a direct Gremlins ripoff. It, it really yeah. held its own. So I'd say 4.5 for me. Uh, Corey? Uh, I will say 4, and the only reason why I'm not giving the extra half point is because of how much I associated with it that's actually from the second film, which oh. is not necessarily a fault of the first movie, but when you watch the two together, it feels more complete. Fair enough. I guess that means that I need to watch the second one sooner rather than later. Uh, I'm just going to say three and a half. I thought it was fun. I thought it was an interesting new story, even it being 30 years old. Um, it, it didn't feel like some of the older movies that we watch where they just kind of drag on. So yeah, three and a half. Scariness, zero to five, Derek. You, you can admit I that you were scared. Oh, we're not going to think less of you. <laughs> No, there's a few movies that do scare me. The Conjuring, for instance, gets me every time. I've seen that movie a million times now. And I, I can watch it at home or in the theater. It's still, it's definitely a five. But this one, 
I would say probably a three, while there were some moments that did scare me uh, a little bit, like the when the dad's in the uh, in the basement, for instance, and mm-hmm. he's reaching for something. That definitely scared the hell out of me the first time you saw a critter. <laughs> but other than that, I think it was mostly sort of the more of the comedic horror kind of thing where there was some moments, but it wasn't all the way. So I'd say three. Fair enough. Corey? Uh, anything where something's going to come out of the toilet gives me the willies. Uh, I'm always afraid it's something that's going to bite my dangle. And so there is a scene in this. There's a scene in Ghoulies. Uh, anything with a shark, it makes me think of something swimming in my toilet. So I, I will give it a solid uh, three as well uh, because of things like that. Also, I don't like seeing digits bitten off. That that freaks me out too. But it's it's they are silly. They're They're not super scary creatures. But having something just kind of gnaw into you is off-putting. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go two. It, it was very comedic and cartoony, uh, but there was still some sort of element of horror with the jump scares and just the, the critters themselves. That's <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I, I, I it, it didn't get me the way that it got you guys, but I'm glad it got you guys. It's hard to do. I assume, Derek, you're much like Corey and I, where you've watched so many horror movies that... It, it's got to be something special for it to kind of scare you in any fashion. Agreed. Yeah, I uh, I don't get scared very often on movies anymore. It's uh, but for me, it's it, live things scare me a lot more than movies. Like these, uh, I've you know went to Not Scary Farm and uh, um, Universal Halloween Horror Nights out here, mm-hmm. and those can scare me. Like haunted houses, if it's done well, can scare. But yeah, movies it takes a lot. I mean. I, I'm not a huge fan of jump scares, and I think this movie didn't fully rely on that. They built tension. Like, you knew that something was coming after the dad or mm-hmm. the person, but you haven't seen it yet. So the fact of the matter is they designed a really creepy-looking monster. Now, they're funny. You know, we explained it earlier how they were playing with an E.G. doll yep. and getting, like, trying to talk to it. And, like, they're talking languages and... For some reason, they are swearing in English, like talking their language, but <laughs> subtitles like, oh, shit, let's go. Yep. You know, things yep. like that. So, you know, it's very funny, but, you know, yeah, it takes a lot to scare me. But this one had a couple moments, but it was mostly just, uh, you know, just good fun. I, I liked it a lot. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it for that. So you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. You can email us at pot at gncasts.com. Or you can leave us a message on our website. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Tell us what uh, your favorite part is, your least favorite part, what you want us to talk about, what you don't want us to talk about. Just tell us what we can do to make this better for you. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast of Terror. You can also subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any of your favorite podcatchers, and you can leave us feedback on whichever one you like. All of the subscription links and options can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe. And lastly, you can join us on our Facebook page under Galactic Network. Derek, once again, thank you for coming. Where can people find everything you do? Well, on uh, Facebook, we, if they search for Masterfully Macabre Entertainment, we're under there. Uh, I think it's Facebook. Uh, let me pull it up right now. It's facebook.com slash Masterfully Macabre. We're also on uh, Twitter at Masterfully M and on uh, Instagram at Masterfully Macabre. Um, yeah, we, you can go to our website, masterfullymacabre.com or for Masterfully Macabre Entertainment or Masterfully Macabre. You can go to canehottermovie.com, which right now links to the Indiegogo we did, but soon will be a, a nice, well-designed website for that film. And uh, I'm very excited for people to see that. And uh, if you follow us, we do a lot of live broadcasts now, like every other week, on our Facebook page. 
to show people new things. We'll be, you know, showing 10 second clips soon and, and really trying to get people, uh, you know, excited for the, uh, for the movie. Cause I think it's going to be something that whether you're a documentary lover, a lover of uh, human interest stories or a fan of Kane or horror in general, you're going to love the film. Awesome. Uh, as mentioned 13 times earlier, I'm excited for it. So we will uh, we'll have you come back when it's a little closer to the release. Um, Corey, do you want people to find you on the internet or not? Uh, best thing to do is to find, not me myself personally, but find the comics that I help publish and write the blogs for and put out two or three a week, and that is at don'tasscomics.com. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MattTheLifeGuard. Uh, that's going to do it. Derek, once again, thank you very much for coming. And uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for listening to the podcast here. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hi there. This is Brett Stewart from the Jukebox Podcast. Are you a huge fan of music or perhaps you'd like to expand your sonic horizons? Well, I am here to help. Every month, the Jukebox digs deep into the finest of the world's independent music. From folk to blues to hip-hop, rock and roll, jazz, spoken word, experimental, even classical, we spend time with it all. Plus, I bring industry professionals and fellow fans on Jukebox roundtables every month to discuss the latest news and topics in the industry. Join me at jukeboxpodcast.com and on all major podcatchers. Next week, as it currently stands, Corey and I snap our streak of almost four months of having guests. Four solid months of guests coming to an end. We knew it was going to happen eventually. People would stop liking us. <laughs> People got sick of hanging out with us, so here we are talking to ourselves. Uh, we're going to be talking the 2012 clown movie stitches in honor of everyone and their mother dressing up like a clown and doing dumb shit. So, congratulations, America. You are pigeonholed into dumb shit. So, uh, yeah, that'll be cool. So make sure you join us next week on the podcast here to talk about stitches. Thanks again, and we will talk to you guys next time. Stay scary, everybody. listening to another episode of the podcast tier you can help galactic netcast pay for our web and audio hosting by supporting us on patreon by going to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts and pledge as little as dollars a month this has been a galactic network podcast for more go to gncast.com that's gncast.com